Is it a crash, a correction, a dip, a pause, all of the above, none of the above? What's actually happening out there? There's two key metrics being reported out here, volume of sales and value of sales. Two things, and they get mixed up a fair bit. Both are stats, and well, you know what they say about stats. So I'm not going to pick these stats apart. I'm going to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Let's look at the bigger picture. There's two questions I ask myself here because, well, this is a mortgage show, right? So how do these stats affect you as a mortgage broker? And of course, how do these stats affect our clients? So here's some language I can help you give to work with your clients in this. So first off, let's talk about these two metrics, volume of sales. All right, so down 25% year over year, those are the April numbers. Yeah, down 25% year over year. Yet still the third highest April sales figure ever behind 2021 and 2016. So in other words, still well above the 10-year average, still a strong market, still lots happening. And you know, note to brokers, keep in mind, every one of those pre-sales from 2017, 18, 19, 2021, and even the ones occurring right now, they're all going to close. And that's about 250,000 plus transactions per year. They're all going to happen. They're going to happen. There's a lot of opportunity out there. So the headlines are all doom and gloom about what happened in April. But what are they really reporting on? You know, like, like it's fascinating. They're talking about the bronze medalist, the bronze medalist, like the third best person in the world at this thing. And they get a bronze and they're forgotten. The third best market month in history, and it's all doom and gloom. You know, I get it. Nobody remembers who came in second other than the person who came in second. And for sure, nobody recalls third, and third probably wants to forget they came in third. But like I say, we're really piling on to a bronze medalist month. And I think we should lighten up a little bit. I mean, volume overall, it's still up on average about 10% higher than pre-COVID numbers. And like I say, April was number three for all time. But of course, yes, the world is ending. No, it's not, right? New households are still being formed. Now, nobody knows how many, because how would we ever figure that out? Somehow government and economists alike, uh, they say it's impossible to figure out the new household formation numbers. What? I mean, we sent humans to the moon and brought them back alive with less computing power than we hold in our hands today. But somehow figuring out what the average age a Canadian's gonna move out and buy a place is, that's impossible. Okay, I mean, what we do know, what we do know is builders tend to be conservative. And all this crash talk combined with inflation and supply chain issues, it's got more builders hanging up their tool belts than ever. So what's that gonna result in, right? If they start to pull back on creating supply, we know there's still going to be a need for more supply. So two to three years from now, what are we going to see? Supply issues. And what does that result in? Price issues, escalation of pricing. But on that point, let's talk about pricing, the value of sales. So there's the volume of sales, which is still very, very healthy. And then there's the value of sales, pricing. All right. So down but not up, down, but not, okay, down, but not out. That's what I meant to say. Also, this is, this is not something to get in a massive panic over. So April of 2020, I'm just going to use the, the Canadian national housing stat for now. April of 2020, $500,000 average home price. December of 2020, 
$600,000 average home price. Darn, why didn't I buy a house as we were starting a pandemic? That would have been logical. Okay, that was a tricky one. To, that was a tricky one to get right. December of 2021, another year goes by. We've gone from 600 to 700, $700,000 average price, December 2021. And then in two short months in February of 2022, we hit 850. I'm not going to try and do that. 850, 850,000. And today, Oh, apparently we're back down to 750. I mean, maybe we're down to 745 since I started this recording. But this is a small number of people impacted because it's really, we're really just talking about those who bought in February and March. That brief spike from seven to 850 and back down happens inside 60 days. It's only really 60, 60, 75 days worth of sales that occurred above the new price we're at right now, the 750. And this is a national average, so it's not every block. In fact, the street you live on might still be raging. Prices could still be moving up. And if you bought in December or January, you're still in the black. You're still looking good. And hey, if you're a pre-sale from 18, 19, 20, closing soon, again, you're way, way in the black. Be cool, everybody. Be cool. The thing about a short spike up, it's just that. It's a short spike up. Not a lot of volume overall. So no, not 50% of homeowners in Canada are suddenly down 20%. I mean, arguably, every homeowner in Canada has lost money in the last 30 days, but it was money that they never put out, and it was money they never really had in their hands. It was, it, it was a, pay, it's a paper loss on a paper gain. It's kind of a moot point, although the psychology can't be ignored about this. But what about those people who bought at that peak? at that peak, not the peak, that peak. There'll be another peak, a new peak. It'll be higher than the last peak. No, really, it'll happen. We've seen this movie before. But those buyers, they qualified at a stress-tested rate, five and a quarter percent. They had great credit, they still do. I mean, it's only been 30, 40 days. I'm pretty sure they haven't screwed the credit up. And they probably are still gainfully employed. Like they haven't had time to get two weeks notice and lose your job. So. You know, they're solid people. On top of that, what else? They're Canadian. And what does that mean? They're Canadian. Well, what's one thing Canadians never miss? They never miss their camping trip on the May long weekend. They never miss the next episode of This Is Us. But most importantly, they never miss a mortgage payment. Canadians do not miss mortgage payments. Are February buyers going to throw their keys on the banker's desk and walk away? That's it. I'm out. No, that's not a thing in Canada. Okay. Alberta, parts of no, certain lenders, notable exception. But it's still not a thing that even Albertans do with any kind of great frequency. It's just not the way Canadians operate. We don't like to realize our losses. I mean, let's, let's face facts. Nobody wants to realize the loss. If you sell, you realize the loss. That's why people held on to Briex, Nortel, and even their precious Blackberries, I'm still hanging on to mine, till the bitter, bitter end, right? And it's partly why they will not walk away from their homes. The mortgage follows them to the end of the earth, right? We have full recourse mortgages in Canada. There's, the lender will chase you to the end of the earth. They will garnish your paychecks to get any loss in that mortgage covered. And ultimately, we all got to live somewhere. So if I sell my house because I feel like it's, uh, you know, the market's collapsing and uh, I'm going to what? Go rent? But what am I renting? I'm renting something that somebody else might be selling. And then I'm getting evicted from there. And now I got to move. It's just too much of a pain in the ass. We don't like to rent. We like to own. 
right? 68% or something, uh, home ownership in Canada. Very, very high. One of the highest in the, in the world. Walking away from our life savings, walking away from that loss, from that down payment, um, while blowing up our credit for seven years to life, uh, this is just not a choice that people make. In fact, it's the other thing I was talking about earlier before this segment. That's the real choice that got made to decline life or disability insurance. Those are the Canadians that wind up not making their mortgage payments. Overwhelmingly, death, disability, divorce, a combination thereof. That's what results in a foreclosure in Canada. It's, it's never a choice. So to sum it up, things are nowhere near as dramatic as they're being made out to be by some of the headlines I'm certainly seeing. Clients are still massively in the win category. The ones who just bought at that last peak, they just got to hang on. You know, maybe they got to hang on for seven years. And that's, the, this, that's what I would be setting, the expectation I would be setting. I've always set that expectation with every client I worked with. Ooh, I don't know. Should we be buying right now? Yes. If this property meets your needs, it allows you to build a foundation, a routine. Your kids are going to go into a certain catchment area. You've got a certain commute to work. The property works for you on whatever levels, and you can envision yourself being here for seven years. Seven years is the number I've always thrown out there, because if you look back at any of the dips, almost every single time, seven years later, you were not just back where you needed to be, you were ahead of the curve. So as long as the purchase is a seven-year plan, you're going to be great. So like I say, clients, they'll be okay. And brokers, you're going to be okay. You're going to be gainfully employed for a long time to come. Now, the media, it'll keep doing what it does to try and scare us you know, by, you know, why would they want to report boring realities? It's much more interesting to report sensational craziness. You know, like despite our own personal best efforts, we're way more likely to have an ugly run-in with a flight of stairs or a bathtub than we are to die in a shark attack or some kind of spectacular crash, including a housing one.